Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. We're going to be looking today at Acts chapter 24. We're going to talk today about the Apostle Paul having the opportunity to share the gospel with Felix and Drusilla. There are a lot of things about the life of the Apostle Paul that I think are interesting. And one of the things that really stands out in my mind is the fact fact that the Apostle Paul was always looking for opportunities to share the gospel of Christ. Paul literally stood ready to share the love story of the cross to those around him. Before the apostle Paul was converted to Christ, you remember the Lord spoke to Ananias and instructed him to go and to talk to Saul of Tarsus. And God said on that occasion that Paul would bear his name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He went on to say in Acts chapter 9 verse 16, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now we know that from a prophetic standpoint, the apostle Paul fulfilled those words. Paul had the opportunity to share the gospel with a number of people. He had many opportunities to speak to individuals. Some lowly in their estate from the vantage point of, I guess we would say, from a social or economic vantage point. On the other hand, he had the opportunity to share the gospel with what we would call political dignitaries. Well, in Acts chapter 24, we find the Apostle Paul having the privilege of speaking to Felix, the governor, and Drusilla. The first thing that I want to call your attention to has to do with the presentation of the gospel to Felix and Drusilla. Now, if you look at verse 24, first and foremost, you see a request that has been made by Felix. Listen to what Luke tells us. After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Wouldn't it be great if every person had a desire to hear the gospel? Here were two individuals that desired to know more about the way, that is, about Jesus Christ. You and I, we have no control over what people do with the gospel. Our task is simply to share the gospel. We have the greatest message known to mankind, that is the gospel. The gospel of Christ has the power and has the ability to liberate the souls of men and women. And so what we have to do is to sow the seed of the kingdom. And as we sow the seed of the kingdom, the promise is that God's word will not return to him void, according to Isaiah chapter 55. 
Well, Paul had the opportunity to speak to Felix and Drusilla. Now, Felix had knowledge about Jesus Christ. He was acquainted with Christianity. And then Drusilla, of course, she was Jewish. And if you look back at her pedigree, her ancestry, you'll find that her father, Herod Agrippa I, had James, the brother of John, killed with a sword, according to Acts chapter 12. Her uncle, Herod Antipas, had John the Baptist put to death. Her great-grandfather, Herod the Great, was responsible for the babies in Bethlehem and the surrounding districts to be put to death, those babies being two years of age and under. Well, Drusilla was Jewish, and thus she was well acquainted with the Law and the Prophets. And the Apostle Paul, on an earlier occasion, said that he believed all of those things that had been written in the Law and the Prophets, according to Acts 24, verse 14. So the things that he shared with Felix and Drusilla, they would have been from the Old Testament Scriptures. And so there is this request. They want to hear more about the faith in Christ. But I want you to note a second thing along these lines. In verse 25, the Bible says that he reasoned with them. Paul did a lot of reasoning with those around him in his day. Paul was a preaching and teaching machine. He stood ready to preach the gospel. And so Paul reasons with these people like he did back in Thessalonica. Back in Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, the Bible tells us that he went to the synagogue of the Jews, as his custom was, and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Jesus had to die and to rise again. And then he forcefully showed or taught them that this Jesus is the Christ. What the apostle Paul did, he took the Old Testament scriptures and he literally filled in the blanks. He showed them that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the prophecies that had been penned by Moses and by the prophets. Now you can go back and look at all those prophecies in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is simply pointing people in the direction of the New Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. The Old Testament is simply saying the Christ is coming. The New Testament is an affirmation. The Christ has come. And so here's the Apostle Paul. He's reasoning with Felix and Drusilla, and he's telling them that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that has been recorded in the Law and the Prophets. Well, what about his reasoning with Felix and Drusilla? What did he say to them? Well, Luke tells us. Look, if you would, at verse 25. In verse 25, Luke says that he reasoned with Felix and Drusilla first about righteousness. Now I want us to think about righteousness from two vantage points. First of all, from a vertical standpoint. When you talk to people about the Christ, when you talk to people about the gospel, 
Doesn't it stand to reason that you tell people how to become right with Almighty God? The gospel is, after all, God's power unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans 1.17, Paul said, For therein is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. It is written, The just shall live by faith. I think that the Apostle Paul, no doubt, would have spent some time and talked about the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins. In my mind, I can see the Apostle Paul going back and, and literally telling Felix and Drusilla that God loved the human family. And out of that great love, he sent his son to die for the sins of the human family. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. From a personal vantage point, to let these two people know, look, Jesus, the Son of God, died for you. He died for your sins. Is that not what we do when we share the gospel with others? We point out to them that sin is what separates us from God, and yet through the gospel, we can be in a right relationship with Almighty God. We talk about the love of God, the great mercy of Almighty God. When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith he loved us, to know that God loves the human family, and that Paul would have the opportunity to share that with these dignitaries. And to, to show them that Christ died according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised again as the scriptures outline. In talking about a right relationship with Almighty God. Don't you think it would only stand to reason that the Apostle Paul would say look. Here is how you enjoy forgiveness of sin. Paul, no doubt, could look back at his own life. Paul would say he would view himself as the chief of sinners. Paul is standing before two individuals that really had what we would call a wicked, a corrupt, a base background. Paul realized that the gospel was intended for people who were sick, sick with sin. Paul himself had been sick with sin. And yet through his obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul could enjoy, he could experience the washing away of every sin, according to Acts 22, verse 16. You and I today, we can experience that same blessing. To know that every sin is washed away. To know that every sin has been forgiven. The Bible tells us about the covenant under which you and I live. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 the Bible says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. To know that whatever we've done in the past is behind us. It's gone. It's done. It's over with. Paul could have told these two people about that. To know that they could have pardon. To reflect upon words like Ephesians 1 verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. 
according to the riches of his grace. And then I think about Paul could have not only talked to them about forgiveness, how to be right with God, but about the future that they might have with God. What's the beauty of becoming a Christian? What's the beauty of obeying the gospel, of living a life centered around Almighty God, the hope of heaven? The Bible tells us we have an inheritance. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Here were two individuals. They were well known in the Roman world. They had illustrious backgrounds. And yet Paul is saying, let me tell you what. Caesar may be on the throne, but Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And as Lord of all, he is, he is preparing for us a place in heaven. And those who obey the gospel and live a faithful life, they have the opportunity to go home and be with him one day. So Paul reasoned with him about righteousness, I believe, about how to get right with God. And then from a horizontal standpoint, righteousness affects how we live and interact with one another. Do you know what our world needs today? Do you know what the Roman world need, needed in its day? A healthy dose of righteousness. The Roman world was corrupt. It was sinful. It was, if you please, ungodly. As a matter of fact, Christians found themselves, well, they found themselves being persecuted for the cause that they believed, for the Lord that they served. And yet, what would change the Roman world? What is it that will change the world in which you and I live? What's going to change our country? You know what's going to change our country? It's the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The means by which we turn this nation around, the means that would ultimately turn the Roman world around. What would it be? The gospel. What is it that's going to change the hearts and lives of people in our country today? You know what it's going to be? It's going to be the gospel. It's not going to be some social program. It's not going to be some political organization. It's going to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Solomon said, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. So Paul had the opportunity to reason with them about righteousness. And then self-control. Did you know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, self-control or temperance is listed as one of the characteristics associated with the fruit of the Spirit? What is it that is necessary for us to live a life in check for the cause? It's temperance. It's self-control. There are a lot of things that we might want to do that we might even be at liberty to do because... We are people of volition, but we choose not to do because we're Christians. Felix and Drusilla, they had a wicked background. Drusilla, by the way, well, Felix and Drusilla, they were living in adultery. And so they needed to hear about self-control. Sometimes you can't have what you want. Why? Because it's not right. Because God says no. 
So they needed to hear about self-control. And then look if you would also, not only did he reason with them about righteousness, self-control, but also he talked to them about the judgment to come. Now the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 9 verse 27, it is appointed that a man wants to die, after this cometh the judgment. Now I said that I could just envision the Apostle Paul talking about forgiveness and about the future of believers with God in heaven. Why do I think the Apostle Paul talked about eternity? Why do I believe that he talked about heaven? Well, because he talked about the judgment. If you talk about the judgment to come, then you have to talk about the eternal abodes that are described in Scripture. That is, the righteous, they have the promise of heaven. The unrighteous, they have the promise of what? Gehenna, the hell of fire. And so... Here is the Apostle Paul. He's reasoning with these dignitaries and he's saying, look, there is a judgment to come. We live in a day and time when many people dismiss the idea of a judgment. We understand our court system and the courts in which the court system that, that is operated in our, in our country. It may not be perfect, but it's a good system. Sometimes those who are guilty, they are set free. Sometimes the innocent, they receive a guilty verdict. Sometimes mistakes happen. But I can promise you one thing, on the final day, there will be no mistakes. The Bible says we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. One day you and I are going to stand before the throne of Almighty God. The Bible tells us in John 5 verse 27 that God has committed judgment into the hands of of his son. As Paul would say in Romans chapter 14 verse 10. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. One day we'll stand before the Lord. We'll give an account of the deeds done in the body. According to what we've done. Whether good or bad. That means what we've said. What we've done. Where we've been. How we've acted. How we've treated other people. All of those things are going to be taken into account. On the day of judgment. Paul talked about those things. Now, here's what I want you to see in the second place. We talk about the presentation of the gospel to Felix and Drusilla. Note now, if you would, the procrastination of the gospel by Felix and Drusilla. Listen again to verse 25. The Bible says, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Three things here very quickly. Number one, note if you would, his distress. The Bible says he was afraid. Why do you think he was afraid? Let me tell you why I believe Felix was afraid. When people step back and reflect upon eternity, in recognition that their hearts and lives are not right with Almighty God, it will result in fear. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Here's what the writer is saying. He's saying, it is a thing fearful beyond belief to die unprepared to meet Almighty God. You may, you may laugh about it now. You may dismiss it. You may use it as a punchline at a joke 
when talking about the judgment, but the reality is when people of intelligence step back and think about what Scripture says about the judgment to come, recognizing that their lives are not right, it will bring distress. It will bring fear. And it ought to bring fear. I mean, after all, you're standing before the Creator. You're standing before the great I Am. And you're going to give an account of your life to the Son of God. And you're not right. You ought to fear. So first there is distress. Secondly, there is a deferment. That is, they defer doing anything. The Bible says that their response was, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Scripture never tells us as to whether or not a convenient time arose in the lives of Felix and Drusilla. I don't know. I would hope and pray that they, at some point in time, responded to the, responded to the gospel. But the plain truth of the matter is, I just don't know. I don't know of anybody who does know. But they defer. It may be the case that you're here today. For a long time you've been thinking about obeying the gospel. Maybe on many occasions you have thought today's the day and then the day comes and for whatever reason you defer again. Well, that's what they did. But you need to remember this. You can wait too late. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see very quickly. And that is the danger. The dangerous situation that Felix and Drusilla put themselves in by waiting. Number one, when people say no to the gospel, there is always the danger of plunging deeper into a life of sin. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul said, Evil men will grow worse and worse. I want you to think about this. When people choose to live a life outside the realm of God and His Word, when people say Christianity's not for me, the Word of God's not for me, I'm not going to live my life for the Son of God, I'm going to do what I want to do. Let me ask you this. When you evaluate their lives in light of what the Word of God says, what do you see? You see a life spiraling out of control, don't you? Typically, you see people who are getting deeper and deeper and deeper in the muck and the mire of sin. That's what happens. And the longer people wait, the more difficult it becomes to extract themselves out of that lifestyle. It happens every day. Don't think you are an exception. Number two. The pain and difficulties associated with living in sin. I promise you there are people all over this globe today who are suffering physically, mentally, materially, and most of all spiritually because of bad choices in this life. They have said no to the gospel. They've said no to Christianity. They've said no to the word of God. And they are paying a heavy price for that. 
Here's what Solomon said. The way of the transgressor is hard. You may choose to live a life of sin. And in so doing, you need to understand. It's a tough life. I mean, you have just, you've just, you've just launched out into a life that's going to bring nothing but heartache, shame, guilt, anxiety. The list goes on and on. It's a terrible way to live. Here's what Paul said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow bad seed, you'll reap a bad harvest. You sow good seed, you'll reap a good harvest. The choice is yours. Let me give you a third, very real danger. This is one you need to really think about. The possibility of dying in sin. You ever thought about that? Now we can talk about the possibility of plunging deeper into a life of sin, the pain, the difficulties associated with living in sin, but what about possibly dying in sin? Here's what Jesus said. If you die in sin, where I am, there you cannot come. Please listen very carefully. You cannot afford to die in sin. You cannot afford to die without Jesus Christ in your life. That's just a fact. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Why would anyone flirt with dying outside of Christ? I do not know. Why would anyone jeopardize his or her eternal soul? I do not know, but people do it every day. I am not a gambler. I don't like to gamble. I don't want to gamble. I have no desire to gamble. But there are some people who are gamblers. And there are people who are gamblers and they have in their mind they can beat the odds. Well, let me tell you what. You're not going to beat the odds because ultimately one day you're going to die. There are a lot of people in eternity as we speak. Some of those folks... They're lost. They're going to be lost forever. They didn't know the gospel. And that's a shame. But I think about people who are in eternity as we speak who knew the gospel. Like Felix and Drusilla, they had the opportunity to hear about Christ. They had the opportunity to know that Jesus Christ died for their sins. But they said no, they said no, they said no, they said no, and death came. And now they're going to spend eternity separated from Almighty God because they died in sin. There are a lot of bad things that can happen to you in this life, but I promise you the worst thing that could ever happen this side of eternity is to die in your sin. Because if you die in your sins, you don't have one prayer. Could I plead with you today to come to Christ? Could I encourage you to come to Jesus who paid the ultimate price for your sins? The gospel, it's serious business. The gospel says God loves us and he wants us to be saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What we're pleading for today is if you're outside of Christ, come home. 
Do you believe Jesus to be the Son of God? Would you be willing to repent of your sins, confess His name, be baptized into Christ so that every sin can be washed away? If you'll do that today, God will add you to the church according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and verse 47. If you'll become a child of God and live a faithful life, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. That is the pinnacle of what life's all about. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. In the storms of life, when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Hi, I'm Mike Hickson. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor the Soul radio broadcast. Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ are streamed live over the Internet each week please visit our website for additional details. That website is www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station at 8.30 a.m. for the Anchor of the Soul. This is a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media.